0: Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Imagine for a minute of all the billions of points of data that pass through our phones on a daily basis. Google searches, Amazon orders, news, music, weather, banking info, digital wallets, stock prices, travel info, food takeout, movies, TV. A lot of that data gets managed through something called APIs, Application Programming Interfaces. Uh, But what are these APIs, and how can they improve our health and the United States healthcare system at large? Here on our show today to help us answer those questions is Ben Moscovich, Project Director of Health Information Technology at the Pew Charitable Trusts. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and their claims. I also serve as communication committee chair for WEDI. That's W-E-D-I. WEDI is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Again, we are happy to have on our show this week, Ben Moscovich, Project Director of Health Information Technology at the Pew Charitable Trust. Ben, welcome to the show.
1: Great. Thanks very much for, for having me, and thanks to Weedy for many years of, uh, of great advocacy on, on health IT issues. I'm excited to be here today to talk about APIs, which
0: are really going to be transforming healthcare in the years to come. Good. We're we excited to talk to you about that as well. Um, I'd like to dive right in and maybe ask you a bit about yourself and maybe your own personal journey. Um, you've got history and English degrees. I love to see a liberal arts major in healthcare because that's that's my background as well. Um, is there anything you've taken from your education or your past experience that you've you've seen is is useful to you now and in, in your in, as a, as a leader in healthcare now?
1: Yeah, sure. So you know, in college, I basically learned how to write. So when I graduated, I landed as a reporter. Um, and frankly, uh, was did Homeland Security at first, then healthcare policy, FDA issues, Congress, um, and what I found was that I could then leverage that ability to write to really communicate these really important technical issues to the people that need to understand it, whether that be policymakers, uh, patients, uh, clinicians, uh, whoever. Um, and so, from that, I've been able to now work on the policy side at Pew. First working on medical device issues, and, and now in health IT, and a lot of the same issues that you see throughout healthcare are uh, fundamentally can be improved by health IT. You know, for example, it's difficult to track the long-term safety of implants if you're not able to collect data on uh, patient outcomes once those implants are in use for years. And health IT and data exchange can get help, can help FDA, can help clinicians, health plans, others to really get the information they need. So that's where uh, health i t is a really exciting place to come in and uh, and make the the industry at large and patient care at large better.
0: I, I think that's excellent. And I think you know, uh, I think as a, as your background as a reporter, what what always fascinates me about reporters is they have to know a lot of a, a little about a lot of different areas. and And as we' said at the beginning of this show, these APIs are already being used in many different industries already. So it's something that healthcare is not necessarily borrowing, but they're utilizing a the tool that's been out there and has been very uh, useful for other industries. And now uh, we're thinking through how we can use that tool uh, in the healthcare industry. So uh, there, there's my pitch for uh, all all everybody's children who are or children who are thinking about liberal arts education. There is there is benefit to it, and uh, there's a there's a good place for it. So talk to us a little bit more about uh, Pew Charitable Trusts uh, and what's their interest uh, in healthcare IT. Sure. So is a large
1: research and public policy nonprofit. Uh, sometimes we say we work on everything from pensions to penguins, uh, including a large healthcare portfolio. Um, within healthcare, we work on antibiotics, food safety, you name it, um, including uh, a portfolio around health IT, which uh, is really designed to improve patient safety and the quality of care writ large. Uh, and so we do that by conducting research, for example, to understand um, the effect of solutions to improve patient matching, so how to link patient records across uh, different sites of care. Uh, we've also done research on the importance of standards so that when EHRs communicate with one another, they can uh, effectively understand the, what the other system is communicating and incorporate it into the patient's record. Uh, and that's where really APIs fit in, is that APIs are a tool that can be used so that EHRs can communicate with other systems. For example, an app on your smartphone, uh, so that individual patients can aggregate their data from different health records. Um, we've already already have this type of technology in other industries, as you mentioned at the top, and uh, now we're we're pulling healthcare into that same uh, into that same place, uh, and so we're really at the precipice. Uh, being able to better exchange data in a standard way, so that patients and
0: clinicians can get the information they need. Very good. And and you know I uh, I mentioned that you know it's being used in other industries, and we're we're learning how other industries use it. But are there particular obstacles uh, within healthcare that makes maybe APIs? Or, or not APIs themselves, but the use of APIs are there obstacles to their use, which may be, you know, travel. Uh, the use of APIs and you know, getting travel uh, information onto our smartphones. Uh, other industries don't have. Is there something particular about healthcare that that might be um, uh, difficult for us to tackle?
1: Yeah, look, you know, a- APIs as a concept isn't a new thing. Uh, we we've had APIs. Um, the the pickle is that in the past. APIs have been proprietary. So, for example, each system could have an API that releases data in its own proprietary way using its own formats, um, not the use of standards. And what's going to be happening going forward is that we're going to turn that paradigm on its head. So Congress in 2016 passed the 21st Century Cures Act that said that EHRs have to have APIs that can be used, quote, without special effort. Uh, And the way that's being interpreted is that these APIs need to rely on standards, particularly one called FHIR, uh, and uh, that costs can't be prohibitive to the use of these APIs, and many other challenges to how APIs have been used in the past so that they can really be a place where patients can aggregate their information in in one place, and uh, many other benefits. That's really just one use case for how APIs
0: can be used. Good. Well, maybe give us a few of those uh, um, those use cases. A few more of those use cases to give us a sense of before and after. So, uh, before, what did the world look like before um, uh, Congress has required that that these APIs be non proprietary, and and what can we foresee uh, in terms of you know from a patient perspective uh, in terms of changes that we'll see in terms of our data.
1: So we've been on this journey with electronic health records for a little over a decade since the Tech Act, and we've seen a rapid increase in the adoption of EHRs. So right now, EHRs are pretty ubiquitously implemented in hospitals and doctor's offices across the country. Uh, where we've seen challenges is that patients haven't really been able to aggregate all their health records in one place, like on their personal device or a smartphone. They have to, for example, go to different patient portals for each uh, for each healthcare facility they go to, or rely on paper. We still see patients, you know, lugging information around in, in folders. Um, and uh, clinicians, uh, you know, at the beginning of this journey have had a hard time communicating with one another about a patient. On top of that, clinicians were really uh, uh, using the tools embedded in the EHR that they have in their facilities. Where APIs come in is they change all of that. They, for example, as we talked about, allow patients to aggregate all their information on an app on their smartphone. Um, But they also can help support healthcare providers exchanging data with one another more easily. uh, And also to allow clinicians to add clinical decision support tools on top of their EHRs. These decision support tools can be something like uh, an app that helps the clinician uh, better Uh, choose a medication that's right for that patient or choose the dose of that medication or a a decision support tool that allows the clinician to track the progression of disease over time. And those tools can be developed by any third party uh, and then through the use of APIs be essentially hooked into the EHR, much like how you use a smartphone and you have different weather apps to choose from the app store. Uh, The the same applies here. There's, There's a weather app you like better you can add it to your smartphone if there's an app for charting disease progression or selecting medications you can use the uh, the clinician will be able to use that too but even those are just the, the starting point for where APIs can be used other places are for example for public health we're in the middle of a pandemic at the moment and what we've seen that has hampered the country's response to this pandemic is that it's very difficult for public health agencies to get information from healthcare and instead, they're relying often on faxes that will lack information and can take days, sometimes more than a week, to enter into the systems that, that public health agencies use. APIs and the standard exchange of data generally can really help get public health the data it needs in a way that it's not getting today. Uh, and many, many other use cases, you know, provider-to-payer exchange for prior off, you, you name it, uh, standards and,
0: and APIs can, uh, can help. Yeah, I think about your uh, description of the decision support tools and how that could have been helpful in this pandemic. It seemed like every week, uh, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a suggestion that, oh, this is the best way to treat uh, somebody with COVID, or here's the symptoms we're seeing. Seems like something that uh, got that information and spread that information uh, across the country very quickly would have been very useful, right?
1: Yeah, you know, the, the good thing is the policymakers are already thinking about this. So uh, we have final regulations in place that will take effect uh, at the end of next year, so December 2022, that will require EHRs to have standard APIs and uh, require providers to uh, have that functionality in place in their EHRs. And so we're really, that's gonna mark a moment for APIs to really demonstrate how they can be sharing data with different systems and the many use cases for which they apply. Um, We're already starting to see it, frankly. Uh, There are different health record apps that patients can use to get their data on their smartphones. Uh, We've seen healthcare providers increasingly adopt the necessary standards to facilitate that. Um, And we've seen the development of some clinical decision support tools. But again, the policies that have been put in place will really uh, catapult that forward even more
0: uh, once these regulations take effect. Good. And it sounds like another thing you're talking about is almost another uh, another uh, emergence in the economy uh, in terms of third parties that are developing or innovating uh, new ways of using this data. Once this data gets that's gets uh, more free. Right. So you talked about uh, third parties coming in and, and showing up and developing apps for us to better understand our own health data. Uh, is that another kind of aspect of these laws is to kind of develop that like almost a new industry, maybe?
1: Without a doubt, it definitely opens up the innovation. It opens up innovation to all these different apps and all these third parties that may that for a variety of reasons, maybe weren't able to uh, access to enter this industry and 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 the economy. But it does another thing when patients are able to access their information on their personal devices, it also gives them more freedom to go to the clinicians that they want to see. So, you, patients will be able to more easily go to another provider for, for example, a second opinion. Uh, and so that also opens the door for competition for patients to really uh, uh, choose how
0: they want to get care. So what's fascinating about that, right, is is what you're talking about is the, the clinical data that we'll have uh, and then that aspect of uh, maybe an innovative third party uh, that can develop an app that might have us choose choose based on our, our, our clinical status and, and, and maybe a doctor's quality or a hospital's quality, which to go to. And, and then, of course, we have the transparency rules, which are occurring at the same time, which are also requiring uh, basically apps where you're, you're comparing the prices between the two. So it sounds like we're having almost complementary administrative and clinical uh, uh, healthcare uh, push towards innovation and third-party use of the data that, that we haven't seen before. Yeah, the
1: first step is to unlock the data. Once patients and clinicians have information, then that opens up many opportunities for transforming care delivery and and quality. Uh, And that's really what these rules that that you've talked about, uh, the API rules, the the information blocking and and others
0: uh, are meant to do. So before we go to a break, maybe ask, let me ask you, maybe a more of a philosophical question here. Um, we, we've been talking about consumer-driven healthcare now for uh, maybe two decades, uh, at least a decade and a half, and the idea has been that you know market forces will take over uh, if consumers get more control, they know the prices, they know uh, their, their own clinical data better. Um, here's an opportunity where um, it seems as though this data will become free, not free, that, that we will free this data, and then innovators will figure out how to make it most digestible uh, to consumers. Do you think the American consumer is finally going to care uh, about their health? Uh, you know, for two, again, two decades we've been hoping that, that sooner or later Americans would uh, put that top of their uh, top of their charts. But do you think once we have it on our phones, we'll we'll actually start thinking about it more?
1: Look, you know, the healthcare industry is complicated, and I, I know I'm naive, but I hopefully am not naive enough to think that there's a single single bullet, uh, silver bullet to uh, address these issues entirely. Um, certainly getting patients access to their, their data is going to be helpful and, uh, and and will provide that kind of ownership that patients are looking for. But it's not going to solve every problem. It'll help some patients. It won't help out others. You know, one thing actually we've seen is, uh, in, in the data is that not every patient, when having access to their information is getting it. And that's fine. It's not the right approach for everybody. Um, And in fact, for those facilities that that are giving patient access to data, some research has suggested that only 1% of patients are are getting it, for example, uh, downloading it on their their smartphones. Um, So there's a long way to go to really equip... Uh, all patients with their information um, and make sure that all patients uh, have access to the the capabilities and and that these types of solutions don't help one type of patient over another. For example, we've also seen that uh, certain policies may benefit white or male patients more than they do, for example, black patients or or, or, uh, patients that English isn't their uh, first language. Um, And so there's a long way to go here, um, but certainly making that accessible to
0: those patients that want it is a great first step. Good. Uh, thank you, Ben. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Ben Muscovich, Project Director of Health Information Technology at the Pew Charitable Trusts. For now, quick break. Let's hear from our producer, Michael McNutt. The preeminent National Membership Association for Health IT Guidance and Collaboration Weedy has earned the title of being an instrumental force in engaging public and private partnerships, facilitating discussions, and providing a collaborative voice as a national healthcare advisor to provide meaningful changes for the American healthcare system. Become a member and provide national leadership that enhances the exchange of clinical and administrative healthcare information. Join one of our various work groups where Weedy members collect input, exchange ideas, and make recommendations that inspire impactful and far reaching change in our industry. Learn more about how you can make a difference at weedy.org. We're back and we're talking with Ben Moscovich, Project Director of Health Information Technology at the Pew Charitable Trust, on another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. So uh, Ben, when we uh, we were talking there about freeing the data, and absolutely a first step to to consumer-driven healthcare, and a first step to um, uh, providing patient access and consumer access to to the data they need to make decisions. Uh, with all that data, uh, though, um, and and we've seen it in the last year with the pandemic, a, a tremendous amount of uh, healthcare is coming under a, a tremendous amount of pressure from uh, cyber risks. Uh, and uh, a tremendous amount of cyber attacks been reported in the news uh, in, against particularly the healthcare industry uh, over the past year. Uh, so with all this free the data under APIs, um, what's the thoughts on the privacy and the security risks there?
1: Yeah. So these APIs aren't an open door where anyone can just walk in and, and take the data. In uh, in congressional testimony, the the former head of, of ONC, which is a federal agency that oversees EHRs, uh, described these as more like a bank vault door. Um, so there's a lot of security around them. Um, that said, there are concerns about privacy once APIs are used to transfer data to another system. Um, So, for example, patients will be able to use APIs to get their uh, health data onto their smartphones into an app. Once the data has been on the app on their smartphone, oftentimes certain privacy protections, like under HIPAA, no longer apply. And we actually did a poll uh, a few months ago where we asked patients about their perspectives on whether that's concerning to them. And 9 out of 10 people that we polled indicated that yeah they have at least some concern that privacy protections like hipaa would no longer apply to the data so that's an opportunity for policymakers to really think through okay now that healthcare is leaving that or that health data is leaving that hipaa context what policies can can be put in place to really give patients assurances that their data will be used according to the Uh, their wishes, uh, whether it can be sold or not, whether it can be uh, anonymized or aggregated for for different research and so on and so forth. That's really a place where, where
0: policymakers can step in. Very good. Yeah, I, I think it is an interesting aspect that uh, many people don't realize about HIPAA. It sounds like it protects our uh, personal health information, but it only protects that personal health information in particular organizations, uh, in in right what HIPAA calls covered entities, and those are health plans and clearinghouses and providers, hospitals, that kind of thing. Uh, and so uh, there isn't this realization that once once it leads the confines of those walls or the those systems, uh, that that uh, all this talk about innovation and third parties—that's where um, that's where the risks may come in in terms of security and privacy.
1: That's right. The, typically, uh, on these smartphone apps, uh, the terms and ser- terms and conditions of the app would govern the the privacy and how the data would be used. Uh, and that that doesn't mean there are no protections. So then the, the FTC, for example, can step in uh, if those terms and conditions are violated. Uh, But nonetheless, not all patients may understand that. We do know from our research at Pew that that is concerning to patients. And what they indicated to us in in the poll is that some level of assurance, whether that be from uh, some kind of pre-certification or some kind of uh, 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 information from their provider that an app can be trusted, would certainly help alleviate some of those concerns. But there are many ideas out there how to do it. And so this is an opportunity now that APIs will increasingly be used, that patients uh, will increasingly be getting their data, uh, how to make sure that those unintended consequences do not occur so that patients do have the
0: assurances they need on uh, the on how their data will be used. Very good. And, you know, we see it in other industries as well, right? Uh, many of us use uh, digital wallets on our phones. We you know buy stocks. We buy Amazon books, uh, all of our phones. So we're continually using our financial information. So certainly that information's. Uh, uh, they figured out a way of protecting that information to a great extent. And so there should be a way of pro- figuring out a way of protecting our personal health information as well, right?
1: Uh, you know, This is something that a lot of groups are looking at. Uh, again, we know this is important to patients. And what we don't want to have happen is uh, patients not getting their data because we know that can improve outcomes, can improve follow-up care. Uh, and, and And addressing patients' privacy uh, concerns uh, can help make sure that
0: at least that doesn't step in the way of them getting their information. very good. and And it sounds like you're expecting uh, policymakers, uh, the regulars, the government to kind of step in on the privacy and the security issue. And maybe more broadly, um, you talked about some of the rules that are in that are being required at the end of this year. In the future, what what more do you expect from the regulators and the government in terms of this space?
1: Yeah, you know, there's a, a lot of ideas out there. Uh, you know, I don't have a a crystal ball, so I can't can't really say what they're going to do. Uh, but uh, you know, we have seen different ideas floated. You know, one idea that was in regulations that were proposed uh, uh, toward the end of last year, during the end of the Trump administration, um, was to have APIs or to have the apps that that use APIs communicate back to uh, the organization that is releasing the data and that, in that context of the health plan uh, and kind of provide some assurances on, you know, for example, what's in their their terms and conditions. Um, and so uh, that is an option that some people have uh, gravitated toward, but, you know, that is still also, you know, one option of many and, and may not be the totality of things that government can
0: be doing. Good and, and speaking of government, um, you you mentioned that we've been pushing uh, the EHR's meaningful use interoperability now for for uh, a, a decade and a half since the high tech act. and to me it, it seems to me it's very bipartisan. Uh, regardless of the administration that comes in, it seems like there's a lot of push forward. Uh, they're always progressing to the next step. Certainly under the Trump administration, there's a lot of support uh, for interoperability, and we saw a lot of requirements come up. Uh, what do you see under this new uh, Biden administration in terms of, of where they stand in interoperability writ large and, and maybe for your your APIs in, sp- in particular?
1: You're 100% right. Health IT is one of those issues that is overwhelmingly bipartisan and nonpartisan. It's gotten support from Democrats and Republicans in Congress and the administration. But not just that. It's also gotten support among Democrats and Republicans and independents among patients and consumers. Our polling has shown that for example, regardless of someone's political affiliation, they want access to their data. They want their information shared. Uh, And so health IT and data exchange transcends politics. Um, one of the interesting things with the incoming, with the current administration, the Biden administration, is the new uh, national coordinator for health IT, Mickey Tripathi. Mickey uh, has been a real leader in interoperability and health data exchange uh, for many years, um, and in particular around APIs. One of the things that uh, that he has done is participate and and really lead something called the Argonaut Project, which was a a collaboration of vendors and and other stakeholders to identify a really refined specification for how to implement APIs in a consistent way. Um, What that does is that refined implementation then allows different systems like apps to more easily integrate with different uh, EHRs so that they don't have to keep tuning it to a different EHR. They can use that Standard implementation, and what the Argonaut Project did under mickey 's leadership then set the groundwork for the federal rules that will take effect at the end of next year, uh, and those uh, those really kind of set the stage there um, and so with uh, him now at ONC and leading ONC, you know he knows apis inside and out, he has promoted and been a leader for standards and implementation. Uh, And that is uh, and so there's no no one better positioned than him to really be uh, leading the evolution and continuing advancement of
0: APIs going forward. Very good. Number of great points there. I can't tell you how refreshing it is to hear that, you know, not only in D.C. and and with the different administrations, but among consumers and providers and payers and across the board that it's got bipartisan support. I think it's such a rare uh, issue uh, to find that uh what i'd say is non political uh concerns and goals and intentions that uh it's just very refreshing to hear that
1: <laughs> great uh yeah. right. it's uh it's, a, it's uh it, it's you know yeah one of those rare issues where where people are able to come together around it because people know uh and can see the benefits you know you don't you don't have to be ingrained in healthcare to know that it's often difficult to get your information, and that in 2021, we're still asking people to either send a fax or accept one. Um, we can do better than that in 2021, and APIs and improvements in health data exchange generally uh, really
0: set the groundwork. Good. Uh, absolutely. And and you say, we can do better. So uh, talk to me a little bit, you know, to, to to pretend like you have a crystal ball, and and. Where do you maybe? Where do you hope uh, to see uh, our uh, United States healthcare in in five to ten years? Uh, and not necessarily in terms of data or interoperability or APIs, but maybe in general. Um, uh, what are your what, what's your sense on where we're headed?
1: So you know, the COVID pandemic has really shown a spotlight on a lot of the challenges and gaps that we have in healthcare. Uh, one of those is that it's very difficult for public health authorities to get the information that they need to respond to not just pandemics like COVID-19, but also everyday threats, whether it's uh, STIs, measles, uh, influenza, um, lead, uh, you name it. Uh, Public health plays a critical role in identifying those threats and then introducing interventions to them, vaccination campaigns, uh, water testing, uh, 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 advertising campaigns, and educate public education campaigns—you name it. And what we've seen in COVID is that too often information is faxed, too often information is missing, uh, and too often information is sent in a way that it can't be integrated into the systems that public health uses. You know, for example, CDC mentioned it's only getting 52 percent of race and ethnicity data on COVID uh, vaccinations. Um, And so with only missing nearly half of race and ethnicity data, it can be very difficult to identify communities that are being left out. Um, So that's one area where, where given what this pandemic has shown, uh, policymakers and the industry writ large uh, will hopefully and and, uh, will be pushing forward and filling in some of those gaps. Um, another is, you know, telehealth. We've seen patients move uh, toward less uh, in-person visits and and really relying on uh, virtual visits to get the healthcare that we need. Um, that's an area where APIs and data exchange also help as well, so that patients don't need to go and pick up their records in person. Um, they don't need to then transfer those records in person to another healthcare facility. And so, some of the gains that have been made on telehealth generally, uh, but also on data exchange related to to telehealth, uh, those are opportunities for policymakers to really solidify going forward. Um, And finally the the consumerization of of healthcare. Getting patients their data is one step in the process. Getting patients' cost information on uh, their care is another step in the process. Um, And so on and so forth, the more building blocks we can put in place to equip patients with the data they need and the information they need about their care and then give them opportunities to act on that information, um, that will really put patients in the driver's seat in a way that they haven't been in the past.
0: Very good. Yeah, and you just reminding, I think you're reminding listeners of, of something we we often get buried in uh, the technical jargon here and talking about how data is uh, sped through the, the 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 air to me it's all magic but at the end of the day it's about saving lives uh, it, it's this is to not only improve the lives of uh, in terms of a public health uh, standpoint the lives of Americans but also our personal uh, our friends our family and uh, we're all patients here right
1: yeah you got it and and you know one of the things that policymakers really need to be cognizant of is that, you know, these policies and the policies they put in place, you know, they're not going to often improve care for everybody. Um, So, for example, I mentioned earlier, we know that, you know, often white and male patients get access to their data today in a way that uh, communities of color, uh, patients of color and and, uh, other individuals aren't getting access to their data. And so policymakers really need to make sure that, you know, different communities and different pa- groups of patients aren't being left behind and so that those gaps can be filled. Telehealth is another one. You know, we've seen that um, patients in more affluent communities have the infrastructure in place to, to do telehealth, whereas patients in other communities don't. Uh, and so how can policymakers make sure that change that is happening and that improvements that are being made to help patients um, are really put in place to help everybody and where they're not to fill those gaps?
0: Yeah, and and I almost feel that the uh, the pandemic has brought that to the front pages, and has almost made that a bipartisan uh, concern as well. Um, I think there's very few politicians who would say, or or policymakers or uh, regulators who who would say that there's equal access in this in this country after what we've seen with the pandemic and the numbers that we saw of inequity in terms of access and affordability across the board. So. Um, hopefully that becomes a bipartisan issue in the future. And like you said, uh, uh, lawmakers and policymakers will uh, adjust accordingly so that it's not just some people who are healthy in this country. Yeah, I'm with you. Very good. Well, uh, before we leave you, Ben, any um, uh, any resources, uh, websites, anything you'd like to point the listeners to to so they can learn more about uh, what you've been talking about today?
1: Sure. Um, folks should feel free to go to our website, ptrust.org. Uh, the uh, information on the poll that I mentioned earlier, other research we've done, uh, uh, options for policymakers to make progress in these areas, all available on the website. And uh, appreciate your time, appreciate we, uh, Weedy's ongoing leadership
0: here, and uh, appreciate all the listeners tuning in. Thank you, Ben. We appreciate your time as well. It's been a great discussion with Ben Moscovich, Project Director of Health Information Technology at the Pew Charitable Trusts. And this has been. The collective voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.